Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, our discussion will take the next step in this journey and talk about how we as new creations and fully forgiven people display the life of God. This display is referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a well-worn topic of the Christian church, but it is also a source of much strife and failure. Today, I hope our discussion brings hope and security about our fruit-bearing and gives you a new perspective on how a child of God bears much fruit. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. With that said, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and here we go. All right, joining me today, I've got Bo Brezina. Hey, Ross. And Jamie Ferris-Biles. Hi. And Mark Fields. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Ross. Doing good here. Good. So awesome. far, so fair. <laughs> good. Awesome. All right, well, in the, in the introduction, I mentioned that the Christian Church has, for centuries, gone over the discussion of the fruit of the Spirit, and obviously in Galatians it lists them all, but we see this usually as a list of good behavior goals that has created a lot of anxiety and burden for Christians to perform and live up to this standard. Jesus also said that the truth will set you free. So if there's a burden with this uh, idea of the fruit of the Spirit, of having to perform, but also Jesus says that the truth will set you free, how do we marry those two concepts together? Well, first off, I like to use the NASB version of that verse that says, and the truth will make you free. Hmm. And I believe that's what it does. I believe that When we rely on it, when we believe it's truth, Mm -hmm. it gets in there and it actually does the work of freeing us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's how the the truth works in terms of that version. But how do we actually marry that with the idea of the fruit of the Spirit? And again, I think we can talk about how the Christian church has communicated the fruit of the Spirit, but to me... Again, the fruit of the Spirit has been something for a long time where I felt burdened, like I'm not feeling enough peace today, or I'm not feeling enough joy today. So how do we marry those two concepts together? Well, that's that's interesting, too, because how do you explain a concept of agriculture metaphor and translate it into human relationships and behavior? Mm. And the church, and I'm sure the enemy has helped us along a lot, he wants to flip it and turn it into what does this look like? What are the behaviors? So we'll focus on the effort of imitating and trying to model it and trying to produce it through our own, you know, manufacturing and Mm -hmm. such. And so the message comes out that this is what you need to do to make sure that you're performing these acts. And as we're brought back to the fruit, though, that's, as you um, quoted in John 15, 5, the origin is the vine and the sap that goes through the vine, the life of Christ in us. Mm -hmm. And as we get through the conversation here, I know we'll come back to the source and then the application and what that means. But putting those two together uh, reminded me of a verse of how to make those work together. Paul said in Colossians 1, 29, for this purpose Mm -hmm. also I labor... And striving according to his power, though, which mightily works within me. So he admitted, I'm working hard, I'm striving, but Mm -hmm. it's not the origin of where this character comes from. Mm. And I don't define it by what I've done or how I feel. It's his power. You know, when I think about freedom and and the fruits of the Spirit and and then what you referenced, the the well-worn teachings of the church and... I think that the church that I grew up in, and I've went to a lot of different churches, so <laughs> the church global, they have uh, taught me well about by grace you're saved, not as a result of your work. So I knew mm-hmm. that salvation, I could not do any work yeah. to achieve God's favor. I knew that was a gift of grace. It was something that I had to receive. But somewhere along the lines in my early years, the emphasis I I identify with what you're talking about, Ross. I, mm-hmm. I felt like I'm not doing enough. I'm not experiencing enough peace. It's not enough self-control. And I think that's because of the deception of the enemy in the world we live in when it says, if you want to be, do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. b- behave to get to where you need to be. And Christ comes along and he says, I've made you a new creation. It's the new identity truths that we've already covered in earlier episodes that I'm this new creation and that I am free in Christ. Yeah. And it moved me from have to 
to want to. And it was a freedom that only Christ could do, but I had to have some incorrect beliefs corrected. Mm. And I think that was one of the things that was incorrect is I thought the fruits of the Spirit was something that I was supposed to perfect, work hard, discipline myself, hone, Mm -hmm. you know, practice uh, in order to achieve some kind of increased measure of quote-unquote success in. Mm -hmm. And that seemed very measurable because if I'm getting frustrated and I'm using words I shouldn't, I can measure that. And if I'm doing that less, then it seems like I made progress (laughs) and I must be getting closer to freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't understand the fact that I was already free in Christ. I don't know if this is making sense. Well, it does because when I was in the same situation, when I first learned these concepts that I've received his righteousness and I can live out of that. I kept wanting to go back to that old way and measure somehow my progress. And I would come across verses like Second uh, uh, Peter, the first uh, chapter there. And it's even titled Christ- Growing in Christian Virtue, mm-hmm. if you look it up in certain Bibles. And it began to talk about, it, it almost had a laundry list, depending on the way you wanted to look at it, mm-hmm. um, Peter would say, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and on and on. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Well, I would look at that and go, oh, gosh, what a laundry list. I am already hosed. Mm -hmm. But a good teacher told me to look again Hmm. and said, Look at this. Now, for this very reason, supplying all diligence in your faith. Mm. Not your behavior, but in your faith. And look at where it ends. It says, for he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Having forgotten the fact that you are already made righteous, that what Jesus has done Mm. was enough. And it's not based on any pulling yourselves up by the bootstraps. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, uh, you know, it gives us an idea that the fruit of the Spirit is something that we, as you said, Mark, we want to work hard for, but at the same time, we're not the source of it, right? And so that, to me, also creates the next question, which would be, well, how do I keep from striving for something, (laughs) but also not being the source of the actual fruit itself? To me, that could be very counterintuitive, because if I'm striving then it feels a lot like I'm the one doing it. So, you know, when I think about striving and bearing fruit, I think about when I was in college, I studied over in Israel uh, for a summer semester. We were in Israel for a while. And whenever we uh, ate, if we were on the campus of the university, we'd eat outside, we'd eat in the garden. And this garden had a grape arbor where the grapevines grew up and shaded the tables, which were really nice. Mm. And I look up there and I see the green grapes growing, right? And I did not do this because this is weird and I didn't want to look weird in front of my uh, fellow (laughs) students. But imagine I pull my chair out, stand on my chair, put my knee next to the grape and I listen. And this is the weird part. And I hear the grape saying, oh, I've got to get purple. I've got to get <laughs> juicy and I got to get sweet because I'm sour right yeah. now. Right. And well, of course, that's ridiculous. Uh, it's ridiculous because the branch is abiding in the vine, right? It's remaining connected to the vine. The vine is supplying all the life, <laughs> life ingredients to the branch. And the branch is just doing what's normal and natural for a branch, which is to produce the fruit. And so to me, the, the cease striving is, has to come with that idea of abiding. What is abiding? It's using my faith to believe that the Spirit is in me, right? By this we know we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit, 1 John 4. And so the idea there was for me to start realizing Christ is living in me. I don't have to try to do some kind of model behavior to get him to be more in me. He already is in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. the scripture said, in him we move, live and move and have our being. So the diligence, I think, that Jamie was talking about in Peter, or even what Paul is talking about, Colossians striving, is striving to continue to believe that the Spirit is living fully and alive. He's meeting my needs, and therefore I have this abundance in the fruit will pop out. I will use that 
gentleness, mm. or I will use that self-control. And so I think to me, that's how you do it without striving. It's a very challenging way of illustrating mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, another point of fact there is understanding you already have it, the possession of the fruit. I mean, we've been talking about the source, which is Jesus and his life in us, and that's very that's most important, I think. But knowing I already have this fruit within me, I possess it. Um, sometimes at our small group studies at our church, at the end of the study, it would be prayer time, and a guy would raise his hand and said, pray for patience for me. I've got a boss who's wearing me out. I need mm-hmm. some patience. And so I'd take the, the verses before what Jamie was talking about in, for, in 2 Peter 1.3, we have everything we need for life and godliness. I say, so according to that verse, how much patience do you need? What should we pray for? Mm-hmm. He said, well, pray that I believe I have the patience and how to apply it. And to me, it's like this illustration. If God came to me and he said, Mark, I want you to give a million dollars away to other people. And I think, ooh, I don't have a million dollars. <laughs> so my first act of striving, I got to go earn a million dollars to begin my faithful act. And so I'd spend the first six months earning a million dollars. And then maybe the next six months learning how to distribute that. Wait, wait, well, you can make a million dollars uh, in six months? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, uh, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing on this I podcast? Get on that plan. <laughs> I'm selling these N95 masks <laughs> for 50 bucks each. <laughs> but... What if he said, here's a million dollars, it's in your lap, and I want you to follow my leading of how to generously supply this. And then my focus is, okay, God, how do I just enjoy this process? And I think, too, there's also a negative connotation that we have about ourselves that we think that we want to sin. We think that we Mm. want to do the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. And that is so not true. We have the mind of Christ to evaluate and use and live out of those truths. So we've got to set our mind on those higher things and and remember who we are is so true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good to clarify what the striving means. Like you guys said, that it's a belief striving, not an actual works striving. If it's a work striving, again, you can't make, you become the source immediately. And that's a good separation we have to make sure is clear. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. we need to mention too, is a belief striving is not a passivity type of, it doesn't mean that we're not doing good works. Matter of fact, we will produce more grapes yeah, exactly. by yeah. belief striving than we will in just trying to create a behavior. That would be like me trying to jump up on my chair and tape plastic grapes up there Mm. that are ripe on the vine. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not going to refresh anyone. And so it's not an act of passivity when we talk about it. It will will produce actual real life-giving fruit. And that whole work of faith, too. I mean, how many verses are there on set your eyes on, fix your eyes on, consider, um, look up to those things, Mm. and to set my eyes on Jesus and to not rely on my emotions? And that's an exercise of faith that you're totally engaged in constantly. we've kind of answered this next question, but it's, you know, along the lines of if I have all the spirit and I have all the fruit, then why am I not bearing it all the time? Right. I mean, if I have these things at my disposal, and again, if I am a vine that has all the fruit necessary, why is it not always being displayed? Well, maybe a personal example would be appropriate here. Sometimes, you know, I I have five kids and my kids are wonderful and lovely. And if y'all are listening, guys, I love (laughs) y'all. And and sometimes, though, uh, maybe I, I give them some instruction or I'm trying to teach them something. And maybe they're tired or they are distracted or they have other things that are on their mind. They're not listening. And I am tempted in that moment to be impatient, not to produce the fruit of patience, but in patience, I feel strong things coming up in me, like mm-hmm. uh, irritation and, like I just mentioned, impatience. So at that moment, I don't feel like I have this abundance. I don't have a million dollars worth of patience, like what Mark was talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. I feel like I don't have all hardly any patience, right? And so my feelings are screaming that that it's not true. You're not mm-hmm. abundant in patience. The fullness of the Spirit is in you. Well, the Scriptures say, like Mark mentioned, I've been supplied everything 
for life and godliness. But my feelings are, are screaming, and so I've got a decision. And I think that's why a lot of people don't use it. They say, I don't feel it. I must not have it, and I'm just going to handle it whatever way I feel. And in this case, if I'm not listening to the Spirit, it might be an impatient word or an unkind or a harsh tone or something like that. Because, you know, if you don't believe you have it, there's no way you're going to use it. Yeah, good. Well, I'm a girl, but I'm going to use a sports analogy. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I think I can come up with one. Uh, It's, It's anything that we do over and over and over under that wrong perception before we understood who we are, we're going to develop those synapses, right? Mm. And it's like Tiger Woods with golf, or it's like um, Hank Aaron with his swinging at the ball. Mm. They've gotten into a rhythm of things, and if they've been doing it wrong, it's going to take a little while Mm. of allowing the power of God to retrain that mind, to renew that mind, to transform that mind. So one of the things is being patient with ourselves as we gain experience in this new way yeah. of thinking and believing and trusting and giving that brain time to let go of those old feelings mm. and lies that we have believed so that those new synapses can be created that automatically kick in. For me, uh, it, uh, what something you said kind of triggered, there was a time that I did not know that I had the fullness of all the fruit in me and through the Spirit. So I didn't even know. I would just go down swinging that, whatever I was swinging at, just handling it in the flesh, doing it the best I could, trying. And then I started to understand. I, I real, realized the Spirit is in me. I have all His patience. I have all His peace. But I didn't always believe it. And now I'm growing in believing it and using it. So it has been a journey. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is a process. First, the knowledge, then the believing, then the trusting that mm-hmm. it is there. And, and all of us are on a, on a well, even, it's funny how we even think I've learned this and I've got this down and it'll flip on us in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many lies the enemy can throw at us to deceive us from walking in this truth and this knowledge. Um, I have an example of the other morning, Linda and I were getting ready for, uh, we're doing our breakfasts in the kitchen. And walking in the Spirit and enjoying the fruit of the Spirit, I could have said, this is so nice. Here we are. We're just in and out of the kitchen. We're enjoying waking up in the morning together. But why is it that when you're both in the kitchen, your spouse is always standing in front of the drawer you want to get in? (laughs) You could have an 8,000-square-foot kitchen, and they'll be in front of that one drawer you want. So I have this routine, and I have this time pattern. I want to put my coffee in the microwave so I can clean my coffee pot and get back there in 28.2 seconds. And I'm on my way. And and Linda's right there, and I said, Linda. And all that just shut down. She was telling me about her day and stuff like that. And that just, just the whole mood just boom. And I said, why? Why do you do that? We get caught up in a momentary expectation, and our eyes are on the outcome instead of on what God's doing in the moment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, as you guys have reiterated, it's a journey. It's a process. And Mm. it's something that we believe the truth sometimes more often than others. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, having that grace for ourselves to understand that God's at work in us. He's the one really perfecting our faith and helping us learn what it means to live by the Spirit. So along those lines is I want to actually bring this topic back a little bit to the very first one, which is the concept of God, right? Because I want to. it's hard to trust the source and rely on the source and believe in the source if we think that when we're not performing out of the fruit of the Spirit, that God looks down on us or is disappointed. So how does God feel when we're not living out of the spirit that he gifted to us, that you know that he's he's given us all the fruit and yet we're not taking advantage of that. So how does he respond to us in that moment? Well, I think in order to answer that, yes, concept of God and who God is, I think of Romans 8, uh, 30 to the end of the chapter, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. I think Amen. of Romans 8, 1, that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So all of that is true because of what happened at the Great Exchange. We talked about that chapter already in one of our prior podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to really focus in on that truth. I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him. I was resurrected in the, with him, and the Spirit of God was placed within me. And so I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did not earn it, did not merit it, didn't work for it. It was a gift. So... What if I'm not using the gift? Mm. Does it change all of Jesus's work? And the absolute answer, of course, is absolutely not, mm. which brings me a long way of answering the <laughs> question. It That's brings good. me to this. He's still pleased with me. He's not pleased with what I'm doing, mm. my behavior, 
like with my kid when I was impatient uh, that I used that illustration just a few moments ago, he's not pleased with me being impatient with my son because that's sin, but he's pleased with Bo. And it's my job to receive and believe that and say, thank you, God, that you've made me pleasing. Thank you for cleansing me from all sin, unpleasing behavior. Mm -hmm. And thank you that I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm complete in Christ. I'm loved by him. And believe it or not, that taps me back into the vine, and immediately I'm bearing fruit again. Mm -hmm. And and two, the very question uh, being, how does God feel about me, means that someone cares Mm. about the way that God feels about them. They want to honor him. Well, how much more dishonoring is it to God not to believe Mm. that what he did for us was enough? Mm. So really, to really honor him, we've got to accept this gift Mm. And it's so hard for us as human beings, but that is how we honor him, is by believing what he says about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we have to just emphasize the word unconditional means unconditional. Mm-hmm. He loves us. There's no condition yeah. that can make him love us any less, turn his head away, turn his face away, make any distance between us, nothing. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, I hear what, you mean, what you're saying, and I agree, but I, I almost get that <laughs> thought in my mind where it's like, yeah, he loves me. He doesn't really like me, you know, because I'm not performing. And that's the kind of idea is I know he loves me unconditionally. He's always going to do that. But he's not really, you know, he doesn't like me that much. No, the world teaches us so, so strongly that your behavior equates with your acceptability. Yeah. And so it's going to require us to be transformed through the renewing of our mind. And we have so strong ingrained patterns in our culture that if you don't perform right, you can never be pleasing. Mm. And like yeah. Mark mentioned with, with our earthly fathers, even loving fathers, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that um, my kids are tempted to think I think less of them when they don't perform right, mm-hmm. you know? And that's because the lies of the enemy are really twisting these truths. So I think we have to come back to that moment when Jesus comes out of the Jordan and God the Father says, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, everybody would say, well, of course, he's, he's perfect. He's the son of God. But he had not accomplished anything in his ministry yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of what we have written in the Gospels of what we know he came for. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, is that God's love for his son was because of who he was. He is love. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get back and the Spirit's going to urge us to disconnect behavior from identity, from acceptance, and, and realize He is pleased with me. Now, what about that scripture that talks about us making it our aim to please Him? Mm. Well, yeah, our desire, that's what Jamie mm-hmm. says, our desire is never to sin when we understand yeah. who we are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, we want to behave in ways that are pleasing, but I'm still pleasing because of what Christ had done, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we've got those examples in the scripture. I- one that I always go back to, it just blows me away, is Abraham has gone down to Egypt and just about sold off Sarah to the mm-hmm. harem, yeah. <laughs> you know, saying, oh, she's my sister, you mm-hmm. know. And um, God gives that dream to Pharaoh, don't touch her, mm-hmm. because I'm going to wipe you out if you do. And Pharaoh goes, I didn't do anything. And God says, yeah, no. But when you send Sarah back, Abraham, my prophet, will pray for you. Hmm. And it just is mind-boggling. Hmm. Here's Abraham was the one who did the wrong thing. If you yeah. want to talk about mm-hmm. behavior yeah. and you want to talk about, well, God should look at Abraham <laughs> that way. But yeah. he didn't. He had already determined that Abraham was his yeah. and had that covenant with him. And he was going to like him hmm. and love him no matter how he, beha- he was. He still saw him. Yeah. as he had proclaimed him to be. Yeah, it reminds me of Gideon where, you know, he's threshing wheat and, uh, and he's hiding from the Midianites and, and God, you know, God appears to him in the spirit, the angel of the Lord and says, Almighty warrior, you know, like, what are you doing? And <laughs> just uh, God knows who we are and has called us his children. And it just reminds me of that story a little bit where God sees not what we do, but who we are and what yeah. he's made us. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that even though he's still 
uh, pleased and loves us, that that doesn't mean that he's going to rescue us from the consequences of our sin. He's, oh, yeah. he's, he's going to be with us. He's still going to be pleased with yeah. us. He's still going to love us, but yeah. we're still going to experience consequence of not walking in the truth. And sin has devastating consequences. God hates that, I know, but yeah. he loves us with a, a passionate love that's never going to change. Yeah. And he wants to train us in righteousness, yeah. which may not be a very pleasant journey, but it's for our good. So, you know, obviously the purpose of this podcast and this session is to highlight us displaying God's life through the fruit of the Spirit and how that works. And it only works based off of what we said before is our new identity, that we're new creations. So how have you guys seen in your life as you begin to understand more about your identity and who you are as a new creation, as a child of God? How have you seen your journey in growth of seeing God work in you, seeing how he's produced fruit in your life? And also, you know, preparing in advance good works for you to use those fruit. Well, I'll hone in on my weak point of, the, of that list, and that might come in the next question you're going to ask, but patience. I've never been a very patient person. Mm. No patient with slow people, stupid people, or whatever people, which I should look in the mirror sometimes. You know, hurry up, move on, and catch up, yeah. and stuff like that. And so I've seen him give me victory in that in many ways. Mm. In my family, with my wife and my, and my daughter, or and especially here in ministry, and you would think, well, you're in a great place here. How can you not have patience? But mm-hmm. when you're working with people who can be um, very dysfunctional, destructive, or they're not even tracking with you, the edge can start to come in, mm-hmm. and the frustrations can start to build. And I, as I go in, or before they come in, and as I'm going through it, my mind is continually, God, let me walk in your love and your patience and see this person through God's eyes. Do you have any like example of when you really saw that victory, when it, when it showed like, hey, in the past I may have walked out of my flesh and been impatient, but I was actually really patient with this person, and mm-hmm. that was God doing that through me. Yes. Well, I'll go back to a home example with Linda again. Yeah. I told you about a time I blew it the other day <laughs> yeah. at breakfast. But sometimes she, uh, of course, the enemy takes what she says and turns it into what I hear. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I haven't told this story before, but one time she she called me at work and said, on your way home, could you pick up these five things mm. uh, from the store? And I said, yeah. And she said, do you need a pen? I said, no, I'm not an idiot, which is how I start most of my sentences in my head. <laughs> I said, I got it. And so I came home and, and put the bag on the on the counter and went back on to, another, to another part of the room, and she just said, oh, you forgot the bread. Mm. I heard you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I could catch that and say, that's not true, God. Your love, life flows through me. It's not about me. And his patience just took mm-hmm. over. And I could have said, oh, yeah, well, you get it next time. I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah. And we'd have had a fun night then, huh? Sure, yeah. <laughs> but no, I said, okay, honey, do we need it right now? I'll go back and get it. Yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But and then we just turned into a good flowing conversation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's beautiful. Uh, years ago, probably about uh, 20 years ago, 19 years ago, I was struggling, wrestling with uh, temptation, sexual temptation. Mm. Jamie's mentioned sports, and I am a guy that likes <laughs> sports. Yeah, and I was uh, in the habit of reading about football on a particular website, and it was great. I love reading about football at that point in my life. But there were some advertisements that might be tempting to look mm-hmm. at. They didn't really bother me. I was starting to understand my identity in Christ, and that was not who I was and where these thoughts were coming from. And I was experiencing victory, and I would just scroll out, scroll down so I can just read the text, yeah. and the advertisements were out of sight. It wasn't a problem. But one one day, I just sensed the Holy Spirit said, Bo, I want you to change the website. I want you to go to a different sports website to talk, read about football instead of this one. Mm. And so I did it. Now, if you came from where I came from, you could look at it and say, well, that's a victory of self-control. Bo, you're doing self-control. You're getting better, Mm, right? Yeah. But I knew that it was the Spirit of God in me that was moving me. He was reminding me of who I am. And it wasn't about, Bo, you need to show more self-control and switch. Don't go back to that website. Go to this website to read about football. Mm. It was this inward, joyful movement of the Spirit. Mm. And so it was normal and natural for me. 
Now, if I didn't understand the role of the spirit inside of me, I could write a book about overcoming sexual temptation by switching websites. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. That, that wouldn't sell, but you know what I mean? Uh, um, that would be looking at external behavioral modification mm-hmm. versus what God was gracious enough to give me, which was the inward work of the spirit producing the fruit of self-control, if that makes sense. Yeah, so my, my question to clarify on that would be, how, how did you know? I mean, because it could have just been a thought that, you, you know, it was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'll just do, you know, or maybe you felt the burden. I shouldn't be doing this. How did you know it was the Spirit? Okay, so that can probably gets back to, I think it was our last podcast mm-hmm. about listening to yeah. the voice of God. And so my first, one of one of my um, criteria, so to speak, is, is, is this line up with the Word of God? Well, there's nowhere in the Word of God that says, thou shalt not look at a football website on this URL, mm-hmm. look at this URL. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't even websites in the time <laughs> of the Bible, right? <laughs> My kids think there probably wasn't your websites when I was. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so I believe it, it was because of this, it was an inward nudge of the spirit. There was no clear, I can't, I can't go Bible verse to say, sure. but it was just because I knew that his love for me was giving me a new idea. Hmm. It was a loving idea. It wasn't a hurtful idea, right? Mm. And so it was just consistent with who I knew God to be. Now, do I know that if I had resisted the Spirit and stayed on the website that I would have later sinned? I don't know that. But I do know that it was a joyful journey Mm. with Him. And if nothing else, it was just a a matter of experience with Him where I'm just walking. And so I, I tend to believe that when He gives me a creative idea like that, that it's coming from Him because... It's not a destructive idea. Sure. It's not a sinful idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's the shepherd saying, I'm leading you to a different field. Because of my background, having an alcoholic father and feeling like life was so out of control for so much of the time, I developed flesh where, okay, I'm going to be in control. Mm. You're not going to step on me. You're not going to mess with me. And God worked on that just lovingly and patiently with me. And it was almost a a seamless process that I didn't realize what was going on as I chose to surrender the processes and allow others to have control. Well, one night I'm doing a Bible study with a group and we're teaching these concepts and there's an older gentleman there and he suddenly becomes offended because we're teaching grace Mm. and he gets angry with me and begins to just lash out Mm. And I saw my dad, you know, and I wanted to go back into that, defend myself. No, you are not going to step on me. Mm. And just like Bo said, there was a a murmur, a a whisper. Mm. Hey, that's not true of you. Mm. Hey, you can allow me to be in charge and change him Mm. through my love, my unconditional love. Watch it. It, it'll happen. Yeah. And so I didn't say anything in that moment. Yeah. We continued with the group. But when we finished, I walked over here to him, and I won't use his real name, <laughs> okay? Yeah. I said, hey, Bill, hey, I am so sorry that you felt like you're missing something from this. Yeah. I said, I see you as such a godly man. You love Jesus. Yeah. So I thought... Wow, Bill is going to be the first one to really embrace these truths. I'm so sorry Mm. that you ended up feeling this way. And I just showed him unconditional love and acceptance. Bam, he hung that head and he said, I'm sorry, Jamie. Mm. I'm so sorry. He said, no. He said, and you're a living example of how it works. And I just thought, woo, woo, Jesus, that was all you, you know. But it could have gone so differently if I'd clung to my rights and the flesh and hadn't listened to that that voice that I'd been learning to listen to. journeys you know i think the temptation a lot of times is 
we, we want to have control and we want to take matters into our own hands. And I think as humans, we really struggle with the egotistical side of I'm going to do it. I can do this. I can overcome this. And a lot of the faith that we have to put, or a lot of the things we have to put our faith in is that we can't, you know, that it has to be God is the source living through us. And so just to continue this line of questioning in terms of the successes you've had and the way you've seen God uh, work in your life, what is the experience like when you are listening and abiding in the Spirit and living out of the fruit of the Spirit? What has that been like for you? Because the reason I ask that question is because I think a lot of people don't know that they might be living, uh, you know, showing the fruit of the Spirit and living that out, or might be missing it and saying, oh, no, I'm doing that, but they aren't really experiencing it. And so maybe you can give some insight about how you've felt about it. Well, this is maybe not be the right way to approach it, but the first thing is the absence of. I'm not frustrated. Mm. I'm not irritated. My mind isn't going to scenarios. And then comes in the calm, the peace. You all mentioned an impression, a murmuring. You just know in your, in your spirit or in your inner being, it's beyond emotions, that there's just a rest, a settleness. Mm. If you wanted to turn into a sensory thing, maybe just a warm flow goes out through your limbs or something like that. Mm. But it's just ah, an exhale. And, okay, I can sit back and see what God's going to do. Um, years ago, I read um, Bill Gillum's work, I think it's Lifetime Guarantee, where he talks about brushing your teeth. It could be in one of his other books, but he talks about brushing his yeah. teeth uh, being a holy righteous act. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I've never thought about brushing my teeth as being a holy righteous act. Yeah. But Your dentist would call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right on about that. Um, but his point was essentially this, the Spirit dwells within you. And you're producing fruit a lot of times when you don't even realize it or even feel it. Hmm. Why? Because unless you're consciously choosing to reject God or sin against him, hmm. you are, he's in you, he's joined with you, right? Hmm. He, you're producing a fruit that will remain forever. Hmm. Even if you don't feel it or if you're not consciously praying, God, I pray as I brush this muller that you would be glorified <laughs> in, my, in, yeah. in this act. But think of it as... It's an expression of who you are. Who are you? You're a child of God. So brushing your teeth, even though to me it's a mindless, repetitive, habitual act, is actually a glorifying God, uh, uh, action of glorifying God when I realize that everything that I do that's not consciously sinning, obviously, mm -hmm. is a manifestation of the glory of God. Mm. And what you're saying is so true, Bo, because... People have this mindset that we step in and out of the secular and the sacred. Mm. But for a Christian, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We cannot step in and out of right and wrong here. We are always right with God. Mm. Our behavior may not be. Yeah. But with that, when that belief starts to settle in, like Mark said, there's a peace mm. that wasn't there before. Yeah. There is also the consequences of the Spirit's work in our relationships. We begin to break those patterns of dysfunction. And I saw changes in relationships, people looking at me and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you used to get furious about that, but you didn't. What happened? Hmm. How is that possible? You're happier. I want some of that. Hmm. And so I was just living it out without having to strive yeah. for that as I believed who God said I was. Yeah, I think it's really important that people understand like, like how much God is at work in their lives and how, like you said, we can't get in and out of the Spirit. We are either in the Spirit or out of the Spirit. There's no in, back in, in and out, as Paul said. So, you know, I think it's important that we understand how often God is at work in our lives. And we, like you said, Jamie, earlier, we don't even know it half the time, right? We just wake up one morning and we're more patient than we were a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I did nothing. You know, I mean, that kind of idea. And I've seen that in my life many times where I've, struggled with patience or in, you know, living it out. And I've struggled with self-control. I've struggled with other things. And one day you wake up and you're like, hey, I, I pray that, Lord, please help me with such and such. And then a year later, you're like, wow, he really has. And I didn't do anything, which gives him the glory in that. Along those lines, though, a lot of times the trial by fire of actually living out the faith comes out of areas where we don't do it very well. So things that we struggle with are challenges. So along those lines, the questions change a little bit. What areas have you struggled with or what challenges do you see of living out the fruit of the Spirit and displaying God's life um, in your life? Mm. 
Well, I gave you my area. Patience yeah. is the one. But the, the challenge there of all the fruit is the continual, and I think we all have, we're, we're growing in our more consistent awareness and the synapses are, are rewiring and we are more settled. It's like driving. When I learned as a teenager, mm. I, everything was mechanical. Now it's automatic. Yeah. And so I can do it without concentrating. But Satan still wants to divert my attention mm. when he wants to get my eyes off of Jesus and create a gap between me and the Father. Mm. And when he can move in and get me in that kind of mindset where my eyes are on the outcome of that person or I've sensed that God is not near. Mm. And whatever lie he might use, I'm trying to think of a personal one. Well, the kitchen the other day when mm. my eyes were on the immediate and my routine and what my needs are and how I'm going to come out on top in this, that's when the enemy disconnects me well, in my perception, not in reality. I'm always yeah. connected to the vine. I'm yeah. always abiding, whether I believe it or not. It's always there, but I choose not to receive it mm. because of my diversion and, and the emotions are attacking me and his lies are attacking me. Yeah. So that's my trip up. Yeah. Well, it's the human condition from Adam and Eve to take care of self. Mm. The minute they ate that fruit, they became self-conscious. And they hadn't been self-conscious mm. before. And so... I think for all of us, and especially for me, it's that I need the best outcome. I don't really worry about you. (laughs) (laughs) I got to have the best outcome for me. And there's a change now because God exists in relationship and he wants us to exist in relationship. And so my struggle has always been, what's this going to look like for me? Will they take control? Will it be out of my control? Will it be, you know, what will it be? And um, living with that uncertainty and the peace that passes understanding has helped me to step back, give him the opportunity to work. And my prayers have stopped becoming, okay, let this go well for me today. Hmm. You know, I'll come in to go do counseling. And my husband will be praying, okay, Lord, let Jamie have a great day of counseling. And I'll chime in and I'll say, Father, let us all have a great day counseling. He has brought to my mind that I want everyone to have this same experience Mm. now where, you know, my struggle, the moment I'm starting to pray something for myself, that's where he's reminding me now because my struggle is got to take care of me. Yeah. For me, I think the greatest challenge is my feelings mm-hmm. don't line up with what God is, is true about me. So an example is I live in a, we have a two-story house. I have young children, as I think I've mentioned. It's inevitable that as they play uh, at times, they'll have, get crossways of each other mm-hmm. and then and a ruckus ensues. <laughs> And I'm downstairs. I don't really know what the ruckus is about. And I know the kids will have different spins on it. And I won't have the, the, all the, the eyewitness account to, to be able to sort the situation out and train them and get it all resolved. And so I'm walking up the stairs. And I'm not feeling real patient. I'm definitely not feeling gentle or kind. This is interrupting what I think I should be doing, right? And I'm reminded of my weakness, right? Mm. Uh, Because I'm I'm not in a position of strength. Knowledge is power, the world says. And I don't have all the knowledge in this particular scenario with my kids because I don't know what happened. And I don't feel those things. And you walk into the situation and if I'm not focused on Christ giving me abundance of gentleness or an abundance of kindness or abundance of patience, my temptation is to figure out and fix it as fast as I can in my own resources, which is the flesh. Hmm. And so the emotions are screaming the opposite of what is true about me. (laughs) And so I think that's the challenge. Hmm. Sometimes I do believe the truth. And I even thank God, uh, like Paul did, thank you for the weakness, because this reminds me of your strength in me. Mm-hmm. Other times, I just blaze straight through the, <laughs> the warning signs, and I just barge in there and say, we're going to fix this, and y'all are going to need to fess up, and we're going to get this taken care of so I can go back and do what I want to do. <laughs> not that I would say that. <laughs> but, well, does but, that but, ever work? <laughs> it does not work. It actually throws gasoline on mm-hmm. the fire. But I think the challenge is, is, Feelings are facts. So if I don't feel patience, that is a fact. 
but it's not based on the truth because Christ says, I've filled you with my patience. Yeah. I've filled you with my gentleness. I've filled you with my ki- kindness, right? And my goodness is with you wherever you go. Bo, you get a choice. Do you believe what you feel or do you believe what mm. I say is true about you? And that, I think, is the journey of life, is journeying with the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about growing. Yeah. You know, I, I think you mentioned looking back over a year and saying, wow, I, you know, I'm displaying mm. patience more. And that reminds me of my one of my favorite Proverbs. The path of the righteous is like the coming of the dawn. <laughs> it grows brighter and brighter. And so as we believe and we go through these daily experiences, we believe even if we don't feel it, and the brightness of Christ shines. You know, I just, as I've heard you guys talk, I, I think of this idea that, you know, because God's at work in us, it it gives him glory. It gives God the glory no matter what's happening, especially when we're living out of the, the Spirit. And we're living by the flesh, and we're not uh, displaying God's life. You know, it's the emptiness that we feel that oftentimes is such a contrast that we can see where we're feeling this emptiness and this lack of living in the spirit that honestly that spurs us on as well too is a lot of times our failures to live out of the spirit are some of the best times when we can learn to actually say hey you know that didn't work i want to try something i want to actually want to go live in the spirit and live out of the spirit just because of like mark has said the peace that comes along with it the the success the, the success right exactly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. all right and so along those lines let's let's change it now let's bring the final focus back to jesus and so understanding that we have the Spirit of Christ that lives in us, and that's what's bearing the fruit. How does this help bring more intimacy to a relationship with Him? Well, obviously, you're going to feel closer to someone who unconditionally loves you. Yeah. I had an example I've mentioned. I had a grandmother who was all law. Mm. I mean, even in the way she dressed, the way she constantly read her Bible. She loved us, but she was law. Had a grandmother that was grace. She Mm. was grace personified. Mm -hmm. I can look back now and see this. So the grandmother under under law, I'd play at her house in a a farm. Both grandmothers were in the same city. And my cousins there, we would play. And my cousin would slap the rump of the pony that was tired. And I'd go all hi-ho silver in the air with the legs (laughs) of the pony rearing up. And I'd get thrown off into the briar patch. Well, what I want to do? I want to run, tell that grandmother, oh, you got to get on to him, Mm. buddy. Look what he did. My other grandmother, we all knew if we got into a fight, if we did something, whatever, she was going to say, you love one another. You're going to apologize. You're going to hug. You're going to say, what can I do to fix this? And you're going to go back to playing. Mm -hmm. After a while, you know that's what's going to (laughs) happen. So you might as well go ahead and do it. (laughs) But you saw how law made me act out. It made me more legalistic. You know, it made me more judgmental. Mm. But living under her, I embrace that. And that's Jesus. Mm. If he's in us, he takes away that judgment of others and gives us that ability. Mm. We know that even if I don't have that love, he can bring it. Yeah, that's great. Mm. You know, the whole connection of knowing Jesus better and intimacy, it takes me back to session three, needs of humanity. Mm. We're created with needs that only God can meet. Why would he do that? To bring us to greater dependency on him and to enjoy that relationship of love and provision. It's yeah. so good. It's so sweet that we recognize who he is more and more. Yeah. And I think these nine fruits that are in Galatians 5, they're connected to needs yeah. for love to have joy, to have peace, to be a complete whole human being in kindness and gentleness and For self-control. Sure. And so that's one aspect of form of how he's meeting my needs. Mm. And so as he fills me with that, as he supplies that, and I do get to experience in the reality of it, then I'm just drawn to him like, oh, this is so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that you are such a good father. And yeah. Jesus, you're right here with me. It's your supply. Thank you. And it just makes me understand more how much he loves me. And for me to look to him more often because, God, I need your fruit because my toolbox isn't working. (laughs) And I go to him more often. I enjoy what he's supplying to me. Mm. So that intimacy has been building. You know, uh, I think it's in Hebrews talks about Jesus was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. And so when I think about the fruit, I think about Jesus. He lived the same way that he calls us to live. He Mm. looked to his father constantly for the supply of the spirit in him. And so... One, it brings me into awareness of he knows exactly, exactly what it's like 
to live moment by moment dependence and bear this fruit because he did it. Yeah. So that brings a great appreciation. But then there's the aspect of glorifying and worship that comes into it that promotes intimacy. It's like, wow, an incredible gift has been given to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't earn this patience. Yeah. I don't have the, mm-hmm. the star award on my chart because I 10 out of 10 times show patience. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. Wow. What an incredible, gracious God that would give me. Mm. You know, the psalmist said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, there's one of the nine, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> of, the, of the fruits in Galatians. It's following me because he's pouring it out on me. And it just brings this ama- amazing worship of mm. Jesus to my mind. Like, you are so gracious to give me goodness. Why wouldn't I share it with others? <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't earn it. Yeah. Wow, thank you. And that in in that act of expression of thanks, that's an aspect of intimacy. It's like a, a closeness in our relationship mm-hmm. that worship reminds us of. And so, you know, the, there's multifaceted aspects of the way this fruit bearing. Some people think, well, you'll get all puffed up, Bo, or get if you think that you got all this fruit in you. Well, that's because the world's thinking. But when I think of the world thinks you've earned it or you're trying to claim that you earned it or something. But when I think rightly, scripturally, I think, no, it was all a gift. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I'm very honored that he would pour it out on me and I get to enjoy it. So I'm going to relish in it. And when you do, that opens up more trust in the relationship. I mean, obviously, that's what faith is. And so that's how it focuses me on Jesus. Um, well, I think, you know, we can end with this, is that, you know, it is a gift that he's given us. As believers, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that comes from having him indwelt in us. And so my hope is that as people are listening to this, that they uh, either rediscover or discover that gift that they have inside them with the Spirit and the power and the source, that he is the one changing them and working in them. And that's my prayer for them. So, guys, thank you so much for your input and your thoughts today. Thank you for being here and being willing to listen to the spirit and uh, speak out the truth. So, and thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next week with uh, episode 13. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will look at how to grow as Christians. We will explore what role we have in our own growth journey, as well as God's view of Christian maturity. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Berzina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all of our free content is made available to you because of the generosity of people from all around the world, people just like you. God bless and see you next week.